Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Infinite Jest Book Club and podcast and uh, anything else you might need it to be, etc. Hello, guys. We are joined by Hime and Kevin. Um, yeah, we, Kevin, I was saying uh, the Blue Angels are here, and I was so happy to hear you mention them crashing because I feel like I caught a lot of shit yesterday when I was like, the only reason people go is to see them crash. Right. And people are like, what? I'm like, you, you're not hoping they crash. And they're like, no, I'm like, well, I don't want to see anybody die, but I absolutely want to see two planes flying Mach two smash into each other. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was the fun of live theater and air show. Like that asshole that walked over the falls on the on the like tightrope. Same thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. no one's watching to see what he says when he finishes. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure that wasn't just me. Hi, Hime. How are you? Doing well. Happy to be here. <laughs> Yes, me too. And, and let's jump right into a page. Um, and yeah, so last time we kind of talked about the uh, the the big long meeting scene. Mm -hmm. um, and is there anything else that maybe you guys? Uh, had had thought of after about that, um, about the AA or anything else? I mean, I'm still left with, Hime, what you were saying, you know, that last little bit with Don and uh, that Don and Joel interaction, you know, I definitely was thinking a lot about that. It just, like, strikes me as so strange, you know, that the whole, um, you know, uh, thing mm. we were saying about but but for the grace of God, it's a counterfactual or whatever. It just, uh, it just seems so strange to me. I just didn't quite know. I still don't know what to make of it and why. Well, like you, you understand the like the the part of speech part of it. Like, it, yeah, like it, it's funny because I had heard that statement and I'm like. I must not understand, you know, that must be the right way to say it because yeah. everybody says it, but then no, it's not. It, it is mm. an incorrect, yeah. you know, grammatically at least. Sure. Um, but um, yeah. Um, so anything else? Like I, I, I agree. It is kind of, um, it's it's a poignant moment, and, and it's one of those, like so many in the book, where it, it's almost like, well, what's the mystery? It says what it is, and it's like, yeah, but but who says it, and why, and you know, what acts do they have to grind? Um, you know, I, I have you guys ever read the short Happy Life of Francis Macomber? Mm-hmm. It's a Hemingway short story, and there's um, and I remember I, I had a professor who was like, "All right, did 
he shoot her on purpose. And it was like a 40 minute class discussion debate. And then he's like, no, you're all wrong. It says right here in the book, he aimed at the elephant and shot. So no, it says right there, he didn't shoot her. He aimed at the elephant and shot. He happened to shoot her, but he wasn't even aiming at her. Mm. Where I feel like that sort of thing is worthless in this book. Like, yes, this is a declarative sentence saying exactly this, but then we'll read two pages later and read an equally declarative sentence saying the opposite. So th there is a lot of that. Um, yeah, what do you guys make of that AA scene being so fucking long? Any thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I guess for me, it reads kind of so well that it, it almost, it wasn't one of those ones that really dragged for me. So I, I, I didn't really mind it. it. He has a lot to say, I guess would be the one thing is that, you know, it's kind of something that like, yeah, he had to hammer out a lot of different points and, you know, tie up a lot of sort of questions maybe about, like for the reader as to what AA is. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it dragged either, but I, I think it's long like an AA meeting is long and it's going to finish just about when it finishes. And sometimes something's going to happen. A lot of times nothing's going to happen. Um, so I, I thought that mundanity was kind of hammered out um, in the, you know, just, um, it is kind of interesting. Wallace took a little bit of shit for breaking the anonymity of AA. Um, so he, so he caught, he caught a fair deal of shit here and there. Um, the Gately character, I guess, is really only very lightly, changed at all from the person who it actually was. Um, I believe the person's name was Big Craig or something. Um, so yeah, there was that um, part of it happening outside of the book. Um, but uh, all right. So as we move on. We are, does anybody have a page? 375 ish or that is exactly where I am. Look at that. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, back out, uh, the, uh, steeply, right? Steeply Marath, um, 30th of April. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys have any idea why we keep seeing these glimpses of Steeply and Marath? Like, like this scene specifically. Like, why? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I I know that Wallace had said that he intentionally wanted to break up the narrative and things, but is it just there to be a speed bump? Yeah. I, 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, like you, you would said maybe last week or the week before of like, you know, you got the feeling that like he had all these parts written and just sort of like threw them out and how they landed, they landed. So it's like, you know, I'm sure that he probably just need, felt like after, like, I don't know, I, I would imagine maybe it's like, yeah, this is kind of something just to sort of like, like get you to think back to that other sort of like out of this zone of like Ennett House and AA and stuff. And like, sure. Now you're like, you're in Arizona back in April, May for, for um, just a minute, you know, and then. Yeah. 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 And I just thought of something and actually it'll move us into this week's, but um, there's one part in the puppet show where the puppets are vamping, like, like buying time, which you don't have to do in a puppet show. That's the beauty of puppets. Um, You know, but I, I equally goofy these little snippets could be so that a scene change can happen so that, you know, just again, more narrative vamping um, for pacing or something else. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This part, there's like the only thing really I kind of took out of it is that, is like that the beginning of that second paragraph where it says, um, you know, Marath m- remained uh, unsure in this time of what exactly it was that Hugh Steeply of OSOUS wished to learn from him or verify. You know what I mean? So it's like he's up there, like, and he's kind of like, "What do you? What does Steeply actually even want to want to know that I haven't even t- that I haven't already told him or whatever?" You know? Yeah, and they. Um, I mean, this is very obviously in Marath's point of view. Um, he's calling steeply Hugh now. Um, I mean, not referring to her as such. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there, there's that part of it. And then there we go into, uh, into the sauna, right? Yeah. Um, and so what, what do you guys make of Lyle as we, you know, start to learn a little bit more about him? I know we talked about him in the, you know, the opening section that, that was his, um, but a- anything else that you're thinking? I mean, that's what, that was my big question for you guys, actually. <laughs> Cause he's definitely somebody where it's just like, I, I just never quite, I never, everything in this book to me is like, it's a, just this much out of reality, you know, except for kind of Lyle. Lyle is one of those, one of those parts of the book where I'm just kind of like, you know, that's just licking the sweat off of these kids is just. Right. Right. He, he doesn't sit on the ground. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just he's a little. It's a, that whole part is just a little stranger for some reason than everything else that's totally strange in this book, you know. Um, so yeah, part of me definitely has always been like, what's you know, and and I think uh, there's like that one part where it says like Lyle ended up being the key, and it's like it is like he really the key to all this whole thing. Like I, I just never quite 
have known myself what to I read him, I read this stuff and you know, the things he says is very strange. The world is very old. What what is that? Yeah. You know. Um, the world is very old. Don't yeah. lift more than you weigh. Yep. Um, yep. Don't yeah. Don't have objects. Exclamation point. You know. Um, the like, world is very old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he kind of reminds me of that, um, the genie in the machine in the movie Big. Okay. Because, okay. Um, I mean, this guy and... You know, again, we have a bit of the chicken or the egg. Does he give great advice or do the students buy into this advice so much that it seems like great advice because they trust it? Yeah. They don't know um, any better either. They're just sort of, they're at like kind of, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, and we do find out that he, um, him and uh, himself had a, a late night in the sauna one night in uh, basically that is when Confluential Films was discovered. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, Lyle drinks Diet Coke. It, you know, so you gotta wonder what exactly do Lyle and the late doctor have in common? What are they bonding over? Or is himself so fucked up that he'll talk to anybody? Yeah. yeah. Don't know. Um, but I some do, I do love that last line of uh Mario and Miss Joelle Van Dyne are probably the only people who know that found drama and anti-confluentialism both came out of this night with Lyle. I do love that like part, you know? Yes. Part. Yes. Me too. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, as good a time as any, what is Joelle just so into film and you know that like like what is going on here it just seems i i think we i agree she's not fucking him i agree with that i i think it's pretty clear that they're not fucking yeah um it's also pretty clear to me that whatever he's doing conceptually that she may love from an academic standpoint, he is too fucked up to execute any of that in a way that, you know, that, that, that should be enthralling to her. And yet she is, I mean, she is as all in as Mario. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I just, I keep going back to the, in the filmography, it says, you know, what counts as a film? And in there it says, you know, things that are unreleased, unrehearsed, unscripted, unwritten. So literally I can think of a premise in my head. Geez, it'd be really funny right now if a cat jumped off the bookshelf and onto Kevin's head what would I call it? And that's a film. Yeah. I, I mean, 
by that loose definition, we have to take everything in that filmography, especially repeat attempts um, Mm. with a grain of salt. Uh, But as we um, move on here, one of our, uh, hey, Hime, one of our loyal listeners, Tim, had a trivia-ish question. Um, Why is Mario's version of the Onantiad only 76 minutes when the film was four and a half hours? Uh, he gave the hint that it is self-deprecating on the part of Incandenza. Um, you guys have any ideas on that? Because I honestly can't even begin to. I don't. I don't have room in my brain to contemplate it. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, give it some thought. See if anything comes to mind. Um, you know, I know some people thought it was just a misprint, but I do not believe it. It, it is a misprint. That, uh, that himself's film is four hours. Correct. Himself's is four hours, and uh, Mario's is seventy-six minutes. So, um, all right. So we're back at the AA. Um, and then, yeah, at the end, uh, at the end of this section, um, okay. And I'm sorry, before we get on, Gately talks about his mom. Yeah. What is, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm not even going to ask the rhetorical question, but like every, nobody has a healthy or normal upbringing or family life, but Gately's is really fucking special, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know we will get more into her. Um, and, uh, back again to Lyle. So, Lyle with his caffeine-free Diet Coke, Incandenza with his wild turkey. Yeah, they'd been the odd couple of libations. Wild turkey doesn't even mix with Diet Coke very well. Um, yeah, I, I would just love to see this scene, wouldn't you? Yeah. So he was one of those profound personality change drinkers who seemed quiet and centered and almost effectless when he was sober, but would move way out to one side or the other of the human emotional spectrum when drunk and seemed to open up in a way that was almost injudicious. So that kind of, I mean, that's certainly what it seems like, that he, he does open up to everybody in this book, except... Maybe for Hal and Oren. I'm sorry, Hal and Avril. Um, that's weird. And, and I, I, I think that's probably an alcoholic thing as well. 
Um, and uh, so he would open up and pour his heart's thickest chyme right out there for all to be affected and potentially scarred by. One night, Mario, leaning way forward, drifted awake to the sound of his father, saying that if he had to grade his marriage, he'd give it a C minus. This seems injudicious in the extreme, potentially, though Mario, like Lyle, tends to take data pretty much as it comes. Um, Lyle, who would sometimes start to get tipsy himself, uh, often brought some Blake out and read in Candenza Blake, uh, which I'm, in the voice of cartoon characters, which is funny because isn't that what they do on WYYY? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is interesting, which himself started to regarding as deep. Um, yeah. So he'd grade his marriage a C minus. Um, what do you guys make of that? Sounds about right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah, I've said this I before, agree. but. Um, a very smart man once said to me that any relationship that has ever fallen apart in the history of humankind has done so because of the failure to set expectations. So if himself is going to grade his marriage as C minus, which one of his expectations are not being lived up to? Or what do you think is happening that he did not expect? I think Avril having sex with anybody Canadian might be a decent story. It seems likely that that was not discussed in the detail that may have been necessary. Yeah, I, um, yes, I will absolutely say that regardless of what, yeah, you know, I guess this C minus at least makes me think that maybe himself was in love with her mm. and it was not just something out of arrangement. Cause really, if you're just talking about mm. an arrangement, he's got it pretty goddamn good yeah. for an arranged marriage. But if he did marry out of love and expect a lot more from it, you can see how he's let down by the fact that she's fucking everybody except for him. Um, on the other side of the coin, she does not seem to be overly restrictive or even to care about who he spends his time with. Um, I don't even think that she notices maybe that Joelle's there. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly she is, she Avril is much more upset or threatened by Joel in relation to Oren than she is in relation to himself. Big time. Um, again, whatever Avril's relationship is with Tavis, um, you know, behind closed doors, in front of closed doors. Uh, none of it seemed to be a surprise to himself. None of it seemed to be particularly upsetting to himself. Um, so again, make of that what you will. 
Yeah, the, um, only, the only thing that, that really ever kind of gave away any kind of emotion on himself's part was the whole, um, you know, uh, finger written in the steam of the Volvo. You know what I mean? So it's like there that that did kind of give away a little bit of like he did not like, you know, like at least as it's written in the text, like, uh, you know, he saw that on the way to filming the, you know, the final movie. And, you know, I guess we're supposed to infer that, like, you know, that kind of had something to do with maybe what ended up coming out in the film and stuff. So, you know, I mean, whoever's name was written, um, you know, James didn't like it. You know what I mean? He was he he wasn't just blowing that off. I guess I I agree. James is much more emotionally invested in the relationship than Avril. Um, I can't think of one instance of Avril um, being loving towards James or anything else at any point in the book. And maybe I'm missing something, but, um, and she's not being rude to him either. She's not being mean to him. She just really treating him like a figurant. It's tough. Really. The only, the only interaction really that, that I can kind of think of off the top of my head is like, uh, taking him to rehab. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like that's like about the only time that they've ever really like interacted, you know, is like, for yeah. him get him, try to get him clean, you know? And maybe that's why she doesn't want to interact with him because he's just always wasted down in the film room, you know. But that's kind of the only thing you could really sort of say is, well, at least she cared enough about him to try to get him help, you know. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I part of that I just I I don't fully grasp. Um, and maybe as we see, you know, some more instances, like, I mean, unless, and I guess this is something that I never got, you know, people, I get people that drink until they're fucking slurring and falling down and everything else. What I don't get are people that drink all day and seem to be up from five in the morning until midnight. Like, if you're drinking straight booze and you're up at five in the morning drilling tennis or whatever, you're going to be fucking shit housed by eight in the morning. Um, so that part of it is, is strange to me, but, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the rehab type, the rehab stuff is strange. Uh, there's also the part right at the beginning of the book where it discusses basically all of the medical procedures that himself has had. Yeah. Like, it sounds like he doesn't even have any fucking guts left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that could possibly, I, I've got to imagine at that point, any drinking is too much drinking. Um, you know, if you've got nothing inside to break it down. Um, all right. So we are in the Onanti ad. What, uh, this is say one, one thing to tie up, um, or just to, you know, for full, uh, just to get this all through, uh, put no one forty five. Yes. Thank you. Um, Yeah. You know, I feel like we just need to at least just touch on just some, um, facts about this whole thing. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, that's the train, correct? 
No, no, that's um. Oh no, the interview. Yeah, just Orin being interviewed about the foundry. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, this is uh the interview, the transcript fragment from interview series for Moment Magazine. So this is the result of the interview. Um, Kevin, what did you make of this? Any? Well, just like a timeline stuff. I imagine that this is this was done before Oren called Hal about the separatism stuff. It's the same day, um, so I I think that like you know she interviewed Oren, and then after that Oren called Hal to find out about um, some separatist stuff, and then okay. two days later he he calls Hal about himself and you know to get all the details about the suicide and stuff and then a couple yeah. of days after that is the samazon stuff so i guess um you know it the, what i made of this is Oren has like a as most people in this book have a super good grasp on film yeah all this different terminology and just you know what i mean he 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 all, film is very important to people, I think, in this, um, like, time period. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like I have to believe that everybody is, like, a little bit more into film than maybe they are, like, nowadays, I guess. Yeah, I um, I think um, it, because I was kind of a product of this generation, I, I think the other part of it is that people loved to pretend that they were part of this and pretend they knew what the fuck, you know, they were looking at like, um, I mean, it just, the, uh, his, uh, what the fuck, his funniest stuff was very abstract. Ah, a lot of his funniest stuff was very abstract. Like, how is that possible? Like, think of a funny scene in a movie. Um, in Naked Gun, when OJ walks in and there's he's got a gun and there's 45 guys pointing a gun at him. That's funny. Now, how could that be more abstract and still be funny? Like, it doesn't make sense, Um, you know, and, you know, that he came at film from lights and lenses, which is interesting. um, And I'm talking out my ass like usual, but mostly what that means to me is that, and I have been in films where it's very clear that the actor is not the star the special effects are, the camera work is, the, the everything else. Yeah. And, and that's the impression that I get here. Um, you know, Hitchcock was the first director that was listed above and larger than the title of the movie. Huh. And um, I'm always interested to see that. You know, what is the largest word on a movie poster? Um, it's, if it's a sequel, it's going to be the name of the movie because that's the name recognition. But I was thinking how many directors actually have that, um, 
you know, so yeah, the the interview, I mean, Oren keeps derailing the interview talking about her earrings, right? Yeah. Um, is he being an asshole? Hime, is he being an asshole? I don't, uh, no, I don't think so. I think, I don't know. I think I've changed my mind about Oren this time around, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like he's being honest. Because if I ask someone, are you wearing copper earrings? <laughs> I am 100% being an asshole. You think he is? I don't he's know. Being an because again, he ad he addresses it. Can you even wear real yeah. copper earrings? He, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. To me, it sounds like he's. I don't know. He's being honest to me. Like he's actually yeah. curious about that. I don't think he has bad. Like I don't think he's being mean. I don't think he has bad intentions. I don't. I know. agree. And yeah, I I, I think he's. I think he's trying to get mm. away from the conversation about himself mm. by mm. flirting with her because mm. it's all he knows. Um, yeah. And I think he thinks she's hot. Um, yeah. That's what I think yeah. too. Yeah. And he doesn't have a lot to work with. Like, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so they, uh, you got to remember, he came out of all these artist directed. Like, this just sounds so, like, this to me sounds like, and I could be dead wrong, that there are all these movie critics with their fucking nose in the air and blah, 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 blah. And himself, and I think it's alluded to, if not said, that the joke is flat out playing a joke on them. But I think a lot more of it is himself saying, you know, I mean, there's nothing better than an audience. And I feel like himself has said, these fucking assholes are going to watch as long as I do something weird enough that they can't figure it out. Because if they can't figure it out, they're going to say it's fucking brilliant yeah. because otherwise they're going to have to say that they're stupid because they don't know what it means. Um, and there's even mention, I don't know if it's in this part, but there's even mention of someone trying to collect back some of the money that they paid him uh, because it, it sounds like, again, he kind of cracked the code here where people were throwing money at him for grants and scholarships and speaking yeah. engagements and things, because here's the guy with the unanswerable question, you know, the guy with all the answers. Um, and, and really what is he doing? He's running around with Mario and a fucking camera. It's hysterical to me. Um, but you know, to even discuss that and then to give it a name, you know, found drama. Mm. Hysterical. Once you call something something, it's something, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that it's nothing because now it has a name. Um, found drama. So Duquette is mentioned in here. Duquette is the critic quoted in the filmography for the Infinite Jest yes. movie. Um, 
And one of the critics here, maybe the Brandeis critic, is killed with the entertainment um, before the medical attache. Um, there was a spate of, of that happening. Um, but yeah, then no, see, there weren't any, and obviously we've all read this, but there's no questions, but obviously the question that was asked was, well, where are these found drama cartridges or whatever? And, and Oren says, no, that there wasn't any real cartridges or pieces of found drama. You, you, you're not getting it. All it was, you and a couple of cronies got out a Metro Boston phone book and tore a white page out at random and thumbtacked it to the wall. And then the stork would throw a dart at it, at the page. And the name it hit became the subject of the found drama. And whatever happens to the protagonist with the name you hit with the dart for like the next hour and a half is the drama. And when the hour and a half is up, you go out and have drinks with critics who like chortlingly congratulate you on the ultimate in neo neo realism. Um, and I get the impression that steeply thinks that he's fucking with her because she obviously asks a follow-up question and Oren says, you do whatever you want during the drama. You're not there. Nobody knows what the name in the phone book's doing. So quite literally, there is fucking nothing happening. And also, whatever you want to be happening is happening. Um, and, and that's a film thing. Um, and it was studied like in the early 1900s. Basically, it's proven that if there's a, a difficult um, section, the, the last film I was in, Case in point, um, a girl got branded, and and I said to the guys, "But like, guys, there's no fucking way. Have you ever seen a fucking bull get branded? They jump about eight feet in the air. I don't care if you're tired, sick, fucking comatose. You are going to react to getting branded. Um, but in the film, she doesn't react to getting branded. I don't think they should have showed that part." Um, and it's, it's a Russian film thing that basically says, if you don't show the part that everybody knows is happening. So in this film, everybody knows she's getting branded. You show the guy walking over with the red hot brand, and then you cut to the farm and you hear a scream go across it. So you can fill in your head what happened by and large, because it's human nature you're not going to fill into your head eight clowns juggling a chainsaw and then branding her on the way out and say, that doesn't make any sense. You know, so it's going to be more pleasing. Um, in a sense, that is what is being capitalized on here. Because if someone comes out and says, that was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever been to, well, that's on you. Like, why did you make it so stupid then? I made mine way better, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, obviously, Steeply does not get it. Uh, the joke's theory was there's no audience. Um, almost nobody. That's a very good point. Almost nobody. I'm going to take a chance to just tell you I'm a little bit intimidated here. Um, 
I'm worried this might sound sexist or offensive. I've been around very, very beautiful women before, but I'm not accustomed to them being really acute and sharp and politically savvy and penetrant. Okay, so. I, I like to think that that question before the almost nobody part was, who goes to see these fucking found drama movies? Huh. And, and Orin's like, yeah, almost nobody does actually. That's, That's a, very, a good point. Almost nobody would watch these except for like the critics. The film critics. The, the, you know, other, you know, so he's like, he's like, actually, yeah, you're right about that. Nobody saw this stuff. Yes, that's a great point. And actually, I was thinking that she had asked, does anybody get it? Does anybody figure it out? But yours makes a lot more sense because there's nothing to get and there's nothing to figure out. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and then, yeah, Oren goes back to flirting. Um, and that, absolutely, no, no, nothing got recorded or filmed. Reality being camera free, being the joke, I'll again underline. Um, you know, so here, you know, it's almost like, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to extend my disbelief to think that Lauren, that Oren actually wants to fuck steeply. Yeah. You know, so here he's sitting here and he's like, he's got to be thinking like, I want to get with this chick. And she's asking me about this fucking movie that's not a movie. How many how many times do I have to answer the same question about a movie that's not a movie? Um, and of course, she is trying to figure out the location of the entertainment um, without coming right out and asking. Um, so yeah, there's that. And thank you, Kevin. Yeah. And back to. Um, Back to ETA, right? So, uh, yeah, 8th of November. So, if it's odd that Mario's first halfway coherent film cartridge, a 48-minute job shot, um, consists of a film of a puppet show, then it probably seems even odder that the film's proven to be way more popular with ETA's adults and adolescents than it is with the woefully historically underinformed children. Um, yeah, so, uh, here we are at ETA, uh, again, what, one day removed from Eschaton? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about something. I, I had heard, um, that space has the ability to fold in on itself. I don't know what the fuck that means with that caveat that's kind of how I think of the narrative of infinite jest folding in on itself. And I feel like right now in the book, we're in one of those points because so much is happening that is so close in time and proximity um, for really maybe the only time, but probably also the last time in the book. Um and yeah, so what do you guys, what do you guys make of Mario's movie? Uh, me, not much. I have to, I have to admit, I've, I've, so I've read the book four times and the only time I read this section, the movie, the dialogue uh, was the first time I read the book. And every time I've reread the book, I skip it. Sure. I so this time 
I tried because I knew we were going to talk about it. So I tried my best and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know. Is it because I don't, I'm not American. I don't get the politics, the yeah. irony are these, who are these people? Why are the, the gentle, the president? I still can't read him. I don't know what this is about. Is it supposed to be funny? Mario is behind this. That doesn't make any sense. It's really hard for me to understand. So yeah, I yeah it again. All right. Um, yeah, we can we can get into the political part of it. I just want to point out Ann Kitten plan. Um, again, um, follow the path of Ann Kitten plan. Um because here she's mentioned Ann Kitten Plan and two older crew cut girls sit in identical snap brim fedoras with their arms crossed. Mm. Kit Kitten Plan's right hand bandage. I feel like every time she's discussed, it's drastically different. Like she's discussed in the beginning of the book in one way, and by the end of the book, she's got like fuck you knuckle tattoos um, over the course of two months. So mm. it was, something's happening with. Uh, young Ms. Kitten plan, and it might just be roid rage. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're all, they're all in here. Um, you know, I guess probably all schools have something like this, some sort of tradition like this. Um, and one of the things that struck me was say the AFR succeeds and puts the entertainment, you know, on the TV. Um, this puppet show, so so let's say the world goes boom or some version of it and, and, and the population is drastically dwindled. This puppet show could form the basis of ancient history to the next civilization or the next generation, yeah. um, which is definitely interesting. And, and I do think there's an eye towards historical accuracy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's in the, it's in, it's being filmed in a broom closet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, puppets are on popsicle sticks. Um, and it's mentioned that some of the popsicle sticks are made in art class. So this very well may have been an academy project. Seems like everybody may have chipped in a little bit. Um, and yeah, so Johnny Gentle, famous crooner. So he's a lounge singer turned teeny bopper throb turned B-movie mainstay for two long past decades known unkindly as the cleanest man in entertainment who is now the president of the United States running for president basically on the pledge to clean America. Um, a lot of people make the parallel, oh, this is like Donald Trump, but it's not at all like Donald Trump. Um, this is more like David Hasselhoff. 
um, you know, Donald Trump, say what you want. He, he wasn't a lounge singer. He didn't, he wasn't an anything throb, um, you know, but so Johnny Gentle was the lounge singer, heart throb, um, is the cleanest man in entertainment uh, and runs for office. Um, I don't know who he ran against. Is that mentioned? But yeah. he is like, it says, uh, like, you know, third party stunner. So he's like a, like, he's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's like an independent. And that was okay. kind of like touching on a little bit of, you know, they talk about the politics, um, you know, of, it's kind of like how it is now where it's like very divided. You yeah. Know? So he kind of sneaks in the middle and, um, when you know, wins the election, I guess. All right. And yeah, Johnny Gentle managing somehow to look presidential in a Fukuama microfiltration mask. Um, yeah. So he wears a mask at all times, like rubber gloves, like, yeah. like he's a fucking cartoon. I mean, this is a cartoon of a cartoon. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the landfills, um, I mean, this all makes sense. And this is funny. Um, something that I've found happens a lot. Like the first time I read, you know, maybe the first couple times I read this, I was more like Hime, where I would glide over this part and I'd be like, it's impossible to understand. And then like in many times in life, um, when I actually read it, I'm like, oh, this isn't very hard to understand at all. You just have to fucking read the words. Um, so yeah, in order to have a clean space, He's taking the shit and catapulting it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, get, you know, like an AA, give it up to give it away, get it to give it back, etc. Um, and somehow himself helps with the technology. Um, now, is the technology that he helps with kind of the propulsion? See, I, I take it as um, that Johnny Gentle's idea was that he wanted to shoot the waste into space. Right. I kind of got the feeling that that didn't like that didn't work and it wasn't feasible. So then annular fusion came like came into play as that's more of a energy in, independence like to make energy and less. Yeah. I think that that was just more like a, maybe what to like do a pipe with dream what, or, or what to do with the waste that comes from annular fusion is like, Oh shoot, we'll shoot it into space. And that didn't work. So we're going to bring it up yeah. to Syracuse in New Hampshire and just right. like in the woods, you know, um, for now. Right. It's, uh, it's Everything cool. is the Simpsons movie. Oh, I never saw it. I didn't see it. Basically, the Simpsons movie, Homer gets a pig and pig shit and pig shit is toxic. So he dumps it in the lake okay. and like the lake reaches a boiling point and they're like, guys, whoever is doing this. <laughs> stop!" And then Homer doesn't stop. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, and obviously. You if you launch the shit in space it doesn't 
directly impact anybody. Yeah. If you launch the shit to Canada, it directly impacts people, namely Canadians. Yeah. Um, so he's got a hell of a sales job here, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he is selling them on why they would want to do this. Um, and then in the middle of it is the, oh, okay. So we do get into the script first. Um, and I can see how a, a script is boring to read. Um, and this is 100, like, I mean, this is how a film script reads. A film script reads, you know, exterior, Gately's house at night, uh, light from the kitchen shines through the front window as we enter through side door. And then, you know, it's just, um, just, just the script with very little in terms of stage direction. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, a lot of this script, and this is something that goes back to Shakespeare, is there to help the actors or the person putting the play on to know what's happening. And it's very funny because this one starts with another piece of pre-tasted cobbler, JJJC. You know, so part, like, part of me, if I was directing a play, would fucking hate that. It'd be like, this director is such a fucking control freak that he's going to tell me what props I have to have in my production. Um, but sure. No, okay. So yeah, there's no cobbler cause he's stuffed breathing. I wouldn't say no to another beer, however. Um, so yeah, Johnny gentle and the Canadian premiere, not surprisingly, I guess the Canadian premiere has a bit of a drinking problem. Uh, alluded to. Um, Any chance to like poke at the Canadians? This, uh, you know, Dave will definitely take it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, you know, by extension, so will Mario and himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is funny because himself is buried in Canada. I can't remember. Himself is not Canadian, right? He was born in Arizona. Uh, but yeah, he's buried in Canada. May have given his life to some sort of separatist cause, married a Canadian, and still does not miss an opportunity to talk shit about Canadians. Um, so yeah, here a lot of this is just explaining what the fuck bizarro world we're living in. Um, and then we get back into, um, Lyle. So, uh, this it's at the same time. I think that's what they call cross cutting. So we're cutting from one scene to another scene, but at the same exact time. So that, so happening simultaneously, they are watching the puppet show movie hmm. and Lyle is down in the weight room. And now he's down in the weight room recalling that he sometimes recalls an ETA player 
whose first name was Marlin and whose last name Lyle never to his knowledge learned. That's obviously Marlin Bain, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So what do we know about Marlin Bain? That was probably Avril's like first, uh, you know, foray into, you know, uh, student uh, relations. Yeah. How do we know that? And I'm not being a dick. I can't remember. I, I know that that's a thing. I, I know that I've heard that, but I can't remember how it is that we know it. It's in a footnote. Um, it's in a footnote. I was gonna say, it is. Okay. And I don't it's, doubt that it's there. I can't remember. I don't know if we've got to it yet. I don't, I don't think, think we have. So, mm, bye. Um, but so yeah, Avril fucked him, fucked Marlon Bain. Again, I will point out that it's very close to Marlon Brando. Um, but Avril hmm. fucked him and then uh, Oren fucked Marlon's sister, which to me is fucking hysterical <laughs> because it, I, I think it's an unwritten rule that you don't fuck your buddy's mom and you don't fuck your buddy's sister. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things. So you can, and, and Marlon Bain and Aver, and Oren were buddies. Um, mm -hmm. I remember there's the, uh, the footnote that's the letter. Um, and Marlon Bain seems to be fucked up now in, in like mm -hmm. today world right. in the letter to steeply. I remember that. So, um, Marlon seemed to come out of this uh, tryst with Avril, uh, some the worse for wear. Yeah. Um, and maybe because I can't imagine Oren just fucked his sister. I'm sure there were pictures involved. Like, like yeah. Um, yeah. Why isn't that scene in the book? You want to fuck my mom? I'm going to fuck your sister. The fuck is wrong with you, dude? What the fuck's wrong with Bozy? All right, so there's Lyle. Um, yeah, and, and it's funny that the repeat here of sometimes, sometimes recalls an ETA player. Um, over here, uh, some where the fuck was it? I just looked at. Uh, sometimes Lyle will listen and shrug and smile and say, the world is very old or some such general capital R remark and decline to say much else. But it's the way he listens somehow that keeps the saunas full. Um, all right. So I kind of juxtapose this with Madam Psychosis and her show which defies logic as to why people listen to it, right? Because she's doing nothing. And here, Lyle is being supernatural and dispensing um, fortune cookie advice. And yet, and licking their foreheads, licking sweat off their foreheads. Um, and the, the sauna's full. Um, so, so, so Lyle has that going for him. Um, again, I don't know exactly why. Um, 
is it because the because himself was so tight with Lyle that everyone said, well, fuck if himself likes him and he doesn't like anybody, but that's not true. He liked everybody. I don't know. Something happened at some point that gave Lyle some legitimacy. Maybe it's the fact that he fucking floats in the air. I, I don't know. Um, but the, uh, so here we talk about, um, so Lyle has a way of sucking on the insides of his cheeks. Uh, you burn to have your photograph in a magazine. So this is um, kind of expounding upon this is water, right? So this is Lamont Chu who wants more than anything to be famous as a tennis player, presumably. Mm -hmm. And um, Lyle's telling him, um, you know, why would this do this again? Lyle, I don't know. I don't know. It just does. Why else would I burn like this? Clip secret pictures, not take risks, not sleep or pee. You feel these men with their photographs and magazines care deeply about having their photographs and magazines derive immense meaning. Oh, I do. They must. I mean, why else would I burn like this to feel as they feel? The meaning they feel you mean from the fame. Lyle, don't they? And then Lyle sucks his cheeks. Um, Lamont, perhaps they did it first. The first photograph, the first magazine, the gratified surge, um, the, the first time enjoyment. After that, do you trust me? Trust me, they do not feel what you burn for. Um, right. After that, it's a fucking appointment. God damn it. I've got to go to fucking wardrobe. You know, I've got to go two hours early to this fucking thing that's going to take all day to get my pictures taken. Um, but, it, and it, this is, again, humanity, right? Everybody wants to be famous except for, you know, the people that are famous. And then only some of them want to continue being famous. Um, so sometimes suffering's point is almost crying out in a high-pitched whine to be heard. Um, so suffering does have a point, it seems. And in this incarnation of what the point is, it's almost crying out in a high pitched whine. Um, all right. So, uh, again, this is, this is during the film. All right. So think of it as, as a movie. We're watching, and this is what I understand to be meta, is that we're watching a film of a film. Yeah. Um, but we're watching a film of a film, and then we kind of pan out to downstairs, and now we're watching nothing. Now we're watching someone recall something. It doesn't even make any sense. But again, this is a long section that really describes some of the ETAs, some of their various afflictions, maladies, personality quirks. Um, and again, sets Lyle up as the one to solve all the issues. Um, okay. Uh, 
And then uh, we've got Shtit and Avril. Um, but, all right, why don't you guys talk, uh, what do we make of these headers? What are, what are the point of these headers? I've just got to plug this computer and I'll be right back. Well, I, I feel like one thing with this part that I like, Kime, is that it really does like kind of explain what's going on like in the world and kind of how we got to this place. Mm. And, um, you know, some of the, some of these headers, it's like, it's like those old style movies. Do you ever see those where it would be like, they'd have like the words kind of like shoot it, come to uh. green and like spin around or whatever. And um, like it, a lot of them are just sort of setting the stage of like what happened with the whole like Mexico signs on for the organization of North American nations, continental alliance, um, but the Quebec route are rallying against it. Um, and so it really is sort of just like kind of reinforcing what we've known a little bit, but maybe using like the, like the, the newspaper text of the time or fake newspaper text of the time. Yeah. Uh, and there are some fake stories in there, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that the inclusion of these headers was why himself's movie was four and a half hours? That's what I was thinking was that it kind of really like, you know, could be like, he just had a ton of them in there and, you know, or he didn't use the headers and he actually showed those things. Could be. Yeah, you're right about that. Like, like would show, you know, the conversation of gentle on waste storage. Not in my nation, babe. Uh, that is great. Um, all right. So, yeah, th there's this agreement that it, that is fucking... Oh, here we go. Idiotic. I can hear the plane in the background. I heard it too. I was like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I am. Yeah. Oh, that's you, Hime? I thought well, that was you. me. And I, I was trying to mute myself. And that, yeah, that was not fast enough. Sorry. I thought we had one of the Blue Angels. Uh... But it was. <laughs> All right. And um, so then here you have an insert here break free of the confinement of your channel selector. Some more of Mrs. Heath's classes, puppets in a B-film parody. Uh, the uh, Oh, and the interlace adds that the cable network seems so mysteriously, suicidally to run all the time that last year of subsidized time. Yeah, so we didn't get past that part yet, right? Not yet, no. Okay, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, short-haired men in shiny trucks. This is something that keeps showing up again um canada knuckles under tabloidish new york daily 24 point subheader um yeah so a lot of this story is told with these headers rather than with the puppets and it's almost like the puppets are saved as exclamation points and dance numbers um, which could be why the adults like it more. Um, so do not underestimate objects. Um, but yeah, I guess before we move on, the one thing that is important to notice is that 
Um, it's mentioned that, and I get the impression that Gentle doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He might like to be clean. So do I. But if if you tell me that what I'm doing keeps me clean and I don't need a mask, I'll be like, yeah, I'm good. Um, so I really get the impression that Rodney Tyne is running a lot of the show or at least the, um, you know, the implementation of the ideas, which probably happens a lot in politics uh, where someone says, I've got great ideas, but a face that'll make a train take the dirt road. So you should say it. Um, you know, they, they, I, I, I don't know, you know, what time looks like, but there, there is that. Um, and yeah, I mean, freaking Johnny Gentle can't even get a word out. He's like, like everything, everything that, uh, is said, he's just like, <gasps> you know, like sounds like he's like, you know, I don't know, gasping for air. Like, yes. He's just like, he's breathing out of the oxygen mask, like freaking blue velvet or something. Right. And that's a great reference. Um, and I also get the impression that he doesn't know what the fuck to say. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, Oren is more prepared for the interview with Steeply than Gentle is to be president. Um, I, this, this part the day before with uh, Doucette, I, I just think it's interesting because I know Joel's last name is similar um, to or uh, her dad's name is mentioned is Doucet or Douchette or yeah, something. Yeah, you're right about that. It's very, very. You're right about that. So he's starting to suspect that some upperclassmen are referring to him behind his back as Anton Booger Doucet. It's like he's frozen on this anxiety. Um, he can't see any way past it. The pounding is more a sign of intense, unconscious self hatred. Grimaces says he's starting to want to play tennis with his hand over his nose and upper lip, but he has a two-handed backhand and it's too late to switch. So you can see he is all the way in his fucking head here. Um, and then later in the book, he's also all the way out of his fucking tree. Um, I don't think we've gotten there yet, but I, I don't know if the two are related, but there is that. Um, and uh, what do we, I know we bounce out of here. Ortho, Stice. Yeah, we've got Lyle Stice. Um, so and what's going on? Actually, like, and the funny thing is, is in that, um, in footnote 147, when, um, when Hal is talking about whether or not he can figure out if Avril knows about the the eschaton, or or not Avril knows, but whether um, uh, shit and uh, uh, CT know, and then he basically says like, "Oh yeah, he'll find out from Mario if Mom's knows when when he can pry Mario away from Anton the Boogerman set. So it's like they are calling him. Like how, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, he's like, he's go going, going to su suspect it's happening. And it's like, oh yeah, it is totally. Right. Right. Uh, Hunter Thompson said, just cause you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not talking about you. Yeah. Um, 
And yes, absolutely. Uh, there is. And then, um, yeah. So what's going on with Stice here? Yeah, that's another weird one, man. So Stice is waking up and shit is in different places. So uh, Stice is a stud. He's 16A's very top man. Um, And he rooms with Kyle Coyle. And so Stice wakes up and his bed is in a different place. Yeah. Uh, And then it happened when when Coyle wasn't there. So now Stice is really like, what the fuck is going on? Okay. So what do you guys make of this? I mean, that's another one of those little bits where like, kind of like Lyle, where it's just like, again, all this stuff is seemingly kind of realistic to me, but then they, he throws this in there and it's just kind of like, well, what the hell, how, how is his bed moving across the room? You know? Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, I mean, we get down to the very end and, you know, his head's glued to the window. Right. Uh, you know, so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I read this part in this book now and it's just like, uh, like it's, it's almost like, so it's a little bit more sci-fi than everything else that's kind of happened. It's kind of all vaguely sort of sci-fi, you know? Yes. Um, and I also, this reminds me a lot of what happens in science these days where it's like so in order to there's one of three possibilities he says (laughs) um the it's he's getting up in his sleep and rearranging the room without knowing it or remembering it which means he's a severe fucking somnambulist which means lord only knows what else he could get up and wander around and do in his sleep he's got promise the staff say he's got a quite legit shot at the show uh stice offers up to planes of his tour so uh so where the fuck so no, he before that yeah yeah oh one is that stice is telekinetic but only in his sleep two is that somebody else at eta is telekinetic and has it in for stice and wants to drive him batsoid for some reason (laughs) um you know so it's like obviously we know those are not the only options right um like it it strikes me in science. I am not an overly religious person. I am a spiritual person. So I have no problem saying if you can't figure out something in space, God is a fine shorthand. Well, geez, the math doesn't work. Why do you think that? It, oh, God. God made it. Oh, all right. But no, we use shit like dark matter. Um so they did this science experiment math problem and they said, no, this doesn't work because we weighed everything in the universe. And based upon our earlier calculations, there needs to be a lot more stuff to weigh down the universe. And they're like, well, there's not, we're looking and there's not. And again, scientists love scientists, but in their infinite wisdom and search for answers, they say, well, what if it's something that we can't see, can't detect, can't smell, can't hear, but 
it has an enormous mass which solves our math problem and we'll just call it dark matter brilliant L let's tell the press what um you know but but that really seems to be an infinite jest type of solution um you know and and again i don't see how a discussion of time and space or the creation of our universe can start and end without at least considering some form of intelligent being doing something to either spark it or or something it, like it seems like a big kind of fucking thing to just say, yeah, you just sit around long enough and it happens. Eh. Um, but yeah, so Stice doesn't know what to make of it. Obviously what, you know, we think is happening or what most think is happening is that the Wraith is moving Stice's furniture around. Um now, we do know that the Wraith kind of inhabits Stice's body for his tennis match with Hal. So, so what has the Wraith got against Stice? Yeah. Or is that the best, easiest, most effective way for himself as the wraith to interact or communicate with his son yeah. yeah see that wraith stuff i have to admit with what he made what you were saying about the um about this bit here that that part at the at the very end with don and the bed and stuff that's like kind of the only part that i really just kind of read the words and like I've, you know, I've never, I've never really wanted to like put too much into that yeah. race sort of thing. So and like I, I think, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think it's written in such a manner that it's easy to do so. Yeah. Gately's feverish. He's lucky he's not dead. Of yeah. course he's seeing a fucking race. Yeah. You know, he's lucky that's all he's seen. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. I, I think... Mm. Unfortunately, it raises more questions than it answers. Yeah, I'm interested to read it this time through and like really sort of sink into like, you know, yeah. this be the time where I'm like, really, all right, cool. I'm interested I, at that I, point to hear what you guys have to say because it's always been, I don't want, you know, I feel like it's like one of those things where it's like kind of an easy out. And I'm yes. so surprised at Dave, like writing. Yeah. Like, what do they call that? A uh, uh, Deus Ex Machina. Is that like I woke up and it was all a dream type of thing? Like, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or or some sort of you know. And then I wave my hand. Um, yeah. It, and that's a great point. And and I kind of agree. Um, but so let's say because obviously, and, and I agree with you, Kevin. That is something I'm looking forward to. But. If we are discussing that, then let's thus far. If it's not the wraith moving the furniture, then who is it? Um, you know, and, and Stice here says, this is basically Stice says, this is me. 
if it's anybody, nobody's doing this to me. Nobody's doing this while I'm sleeping. I'm doing this. Yeah. I'd um, rather have it be that. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. And then again, it, it, it offers up a whole bunch of shit, you know, which Stice says, if I can do this and not know it, what else can I do? Uh, take the DMZ out of the ceiling. Uh, put the video mm. camera out mm. in the middle of the woods. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. theoretically, he could do any or all of these things. Yeah. Um, all right. Do not underestimate objects. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. I'll just throw this out there and maybe we'll think about it. Um, does Lyle, if this is the Wraith, does Lyle know that the Wraith is doing this? So is Lyle fucking with Stice a little bit? I don't know. Something to think about. Do not underestimate objects. Mm. Um, the world, after all, which is radically old, is made up mostly of objects. Um, so... You know, it's the world is made up mostly of objects. Don't underestimate them because they're everywhere. Makes sense. And uh, so we will probably wrap up here because I talk too much. Um, but Hal, uh, like most young people, genetically hardwired for a secret drug problem, Hale in Condenza also has severe compulsion issues around nicotine and sugar. Um, my guess is those are oral type things um, which go well with tennis or any sort of game like that. You know, golf, baseball. Uh, and... Um, because smoking will kill you during drills. So there is one chick that smokes. Uh, Hal goes uh, smokeless tobacco, which is still bad. Um, so, yeah. So here again, we're back in, in the lunchroom watching Hal watch the movie. Um, and again, descriptions of Hal and then Hal doesn't even want to think about the grim one. So here's Hal thinking about himself's movies, um, went through this sub phase of being obsessed with the idea of audiences, relationships with various sorts of shows, uh, the carnival of eyeballs, the Medusa versus the Odalisk. Um, I mean, Obviously, this is part and parcel of the book, right? Um, where it's extreme beauty against extreme ugly, and who's going to win? Um, and it seems like there was a real bitch and fight scene. Um, so... And yeah, I mean, what do you guys make of Hal's, I'll just say infatuation. I don't know if it's the right word, but um, 
preoccupation with his father's movies, interest in his father's movies. I mean, I guess that kind of lends to just what I was sort of saying earlier about that everybody is kind of like, you know, seems to be occupied in this entertainment in, you know, in entertainment and, you know, film people take, you know, seeing everybody who it's talked about takes this stuff seriously, whether it's the kids and, you know, um, being obsessed with like, you know, Eschaton or like, you know, being obsessed with Mario's puppet show um, I don't know. I, it, it seems like just the time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, he definitely seems to get it. Um, one of the things that struck me as a father and also Wallace it, not being a father, but that, that part of your son growing up and literally metamorphosizing like my son is right now a six foot 15 year old that same person was not too long ago able to sit able and willing to sit on my lap um able willing and happy to have a conversation that involved eye contact and complete sentences. Um, so the fact that Wallace is able to identify that dichotomy in himself and Hal is really interesting to me because it's something that no one ever talked about something that no one ever told me how fucking weird that feeling is that, you know, and, and I don't know if it's of time slipping away or, or, or what it is, but it really is a strange thing. And I've said to myself, when this kid was six years old, we'd talk for three hours about bugs, fucking bunny. Now I can't get him to tell me how football practice was, um, you know, which really seems to be a lot of what himself is saying. Like he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't, um, and even himself trying to get through Stice. I have 100% thought I would just love to see my son in a social setting interacting with some sort of social grace because he has zero in my presence. Um, you know, so so there is that part of it that is, you know, my son is completely shut off from me. Yeah. But on the other side of it, himself really seems to be missing some obvious things that Hal is doing that shows he is there, you know, he is on the ride. He is in the same boat. You know, I, I just about shed a tear when my son asked if we had a copy of for whom the bell tolls, we fucking better. But you know, here is how sitting around watching films that his father made, like 
not movies that his dad liked. You know, so I think that goes a long way toward Hal's connection, Hal's relation, and or himself's inability to see that. Again, himself is dead. Uh, Hal probably hasn't been watching his movies since, you know, he pissed his pants and ate mold. Um, but I've got to imagine there was some overlap um, where he was interested uh, and then they go into the joke a little bit more. Um, and this is the one where they film like from a stage, right? They film the audience filling up and then everybody sits there and then they realize they're actually mm -hmm. watching a movie of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just kind of plays out who stays the longest. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right. And uh, so it's still unclear whether it was the eyeball and sideshow thing or the Medusa versus the Odalisk or the joke that had metamorphosized into their late father's later involvement with the hostily anti-real genre of found drama which was probably the historical zenith of self-consciously dumb stasis, but which audiences never actually even got to hate for a priori reasons. And then we're back right into headers. Um, and uh, yeah, we might as well keep going. We're in the script here. Um, if I didn't mention this before, it is worth noting that Gentle at all, all of them are very image conscious. Um, you know, it's almost like they are planning how to present the plan at the same time they're creating the plan. Um, they have someone from Viney and Veals there, the ad agency mm -hmm. that Ken or Daddy works at. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so just a lot of surreal type stuff because this is real shit that they're they're talking about here. You know, this isn't what color are we going to dress up the Statue of Liberty this year? Uh, and let's get the ad agency in here so we can test some shit. No, this is, you know, this is like the Continental Congress with a fucking sideshow. Um, and yeah, so the, the script here, um, I don't know. What do you guys make of this? Uh, he may, like you said, uh, gentle is not much help, right? He's got such memorable lines as ha, ha, and ha, 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 <laughs> etc. Um, and it is, again, it does look like it's time here that is really spelling out the nuts and bolts. And that's even mentioned in the narrative that for whatever reason, that is something that Mario's version 
points out more or more accurately than himself. And um, so who is it that you think is probably helping Mario with this script? Because it is mentioned that there's a family member or some sort of additional input that Mario has gotten. I mean, I must have been hell. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. All right. I was thinking Avril. You know, I mean, I wanted to, I was oh. kind of, I was like, sort of like, yeah, I just, I feel like it's so anti, like anti-Canadian that it would be how my Avril, but. Anti-Canadian. Do I, it, I guess one of the reasons why this is so hard for me to read is that I don't know how to read it. It sounds, should I read it as it, it's, there's a lot of irony in the, movie in the dialogues in the in I the lines is it uh it, right see that makes sense because yeah. it, it's, it's factual but far-fetched yeah. yeah 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 so there's no irony here you don't see it as there's no irony sarcasm the, the only in what naturally exists because it's such a fucking ridiculous scenario so it's hard to approach that as a hundred percent serious and not ironic or symbolic or something but but then but if mario is behind this i don't see right. is he does he have the ability to be ironic he, he has no interest in it that's yeah, for there sure you go see uh, yeah so um hmm. yeah uh so there's that um i can't think of I was going to say something, but it's probably wrong. Um, but yeah, so we've got Tyne, the Secretary of the Interior. Um, and again, it, it just seems to be a sales job, right? Like it's done. I get the impression this is done. Like the Mexican and the Canadian should totally get on board soon. Because otherwise they're going to look really awkward because this is going to happen. Um, like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as uh, they get through there. So, yeah, Johnny Gentle's cusp platform. Given the unfeasibility of shooting national wastes into space since NASA hasn't put a success, successful launch on in over a decade and the rockets simply fall over and blow up and become more waste that given the amount of additional waste annular fusion startup is going to start putting in circulation the minute startup commences okay um so yes that's the other part of annular fusion is that it creates, it, it basically fertilizes, right? So they are launching this pile of garbage into Canada. Now, when the pile of garbage lands, something that happens as a byproduct of that is immense overgrowth. And that's where you get the feral hamsters and everything else um and yeah and they're talking you know again about appearance more than anything else 
how are we going to sell this? Um, you know, rather than how are we going to make it work? Uh, and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and also uh, it says like later on in that paragraph is like, they chose New Hampshire and Maine because they kind of like slighted Johnny gentle in the, uh, like <clears throat> they didn't let, um, CUSP on their independent ballots. So right. like, they like, didn't like they, so they're like, all right, cool. We need to find a place to ditch all this like radiation and all this other stuff. We'll shoot it up into Maine, New Hampshire and, you know, Syracuse and, uh, and just wall that off. Right. And then, you know, and again, to tie this back to Stice and his bed showing up elsewhere. Okay, so so let's just picture that first meeting where he says, uh, sir, Mr. Gentle, you ran for president on the platform that you're going to remove every bit of junk from everywhere. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, it's impossible. It can't fucking happen. Uh, oh, fuck. Well, what am I going to tell them? No, that wasn't the conversation. The conversation was, hey, guys, uh, you got to figure out a way to get all this fucking space, some, uh, all this junk somewhere that's not here, because that was the promise that I made. So where Stice is so unwilling or unable to view anything supernatural happening Gentle is kind of saying, no, this is what's going to happen. You need to tell me how it's going to happen. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they go back and forth. And then yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. We, yeah. Can, we can stop here. But there is this one section where Johnny Gentle turns the uh, missiles upside down in the silo to basically uh, commit cartographic suicide, presumably. Um, and uh, basically he's saying, look, I'm, I'll, I'll fucking fight. I'll blow up these missiles in the silo, in the ground, and blow up our own country. Well, uh, but they were going to erect the fans facing Canada. So when they blew up, all the radiation would all then right. up to Canada. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. like getting buried upside down so the world can kiss your ass. Yeah. Um yeah, and then obviously there is the segue into Eric Clipperton. And that is where we will start next time. Um just one thing real quick on on the yeah. top of page 403. Yeah. Um, in Tyne's, uh, like first, in that first uh, thing that Rodney Tyne was saying, how he, um, what does he say? He says, uh, allow me to illustrate what we're, and then it like breaks off. And so he, so basically what that's saying is that that Luria P. Yep. This is her idea. Right. This isn't even, this isn't even Tyne's idea. This is, this is their idea which I don't even know if I can figure out how that makes sense for why somebody on the Canadian end of things would be wanting yes. to have Canada, yes. Canada take the concavity in the, at the end of the day. When yes. Thank you, Kevin. This is what I was going to say earlier where um, 
with Avril and you'd say, well, it couldn't be her because it's very anti-Canadian. And I think this ties back to, uh, I, I think it was Hal and Oren talking about the Quebecers, how they are, how they went from anti-Canada to anti-Onan overnight. Um, and how they are very flexible in their alliances, um, you know, or, or at least who their enemy is and who they can use as an enemy. Um, but yeah, definitely it does seem like Luria P is running the show. And I mean, you know, there is the rumor or thought that Luria P could be Avril. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if it was, I mean, one, if Avril's helping with the script, um, keep that in mind. Um, two, I think it's very clear that there's a lot of sexual innuendo. Like, like I, I think it's very clear that Luria has, uh, affected Tyne's heart through his fly. Yeah. Um, you know, so that is also in the script, you know, for both Mario and or Avril. Um, but yeah, ultimately what you have here is a very, very fucking serious decision um, and policy and worldview and everything else coming from a secretary with great tits to Tyne and I can't Tyne is unspecified services. Yeah. So yeah. to the CIA director, let's say who's then feeding it to the president. So no wonder the president can't articulate it. Like he doesn't know what the fuck is happening. It's not his idea. Um, but yes, thank you very much, Kevin. That yeah, I, I, I miss all that shit. Um, and then there are the two large maps. Obviously, maps have a big part of yeah. the book. Um, and the other one, I can't remember what I thought of it, uh, but something we were talking about recently, uh, how very little happens, very little good stuff happens because you engineer it. I can't remember what that was in relation to, but one of these things. Um, but yes, next time we will talk about Clipperton. Yeah. Um, and I, I really feel like these sections go together or build off each other better than maybe any other sections in the book. Um, in that, you know, the, the, the Clipperton saga, it, like it's nothing if not grotesque and nonsense, right? Like what? Can you imagine Wallace's editor? Excuse me, Dave. How many pages did you want to use to describe a tennis player running around with a gun to his head during a match? Oh, five, five pages. Okay, um, you know, it, it's really, it's garish, it's cartoonly, and it is so three-dimensional. Yeah. 
it, it is not a caricature. He's not a caricature character. Uh, he eats turkey, for Christ's sake. Um, and he's friends with Mario. So we will get into Clipperton next time. And we're still sitting in the cafeteria watching the Onantiad. Uh, it's a long one. Anything else, guys, that you want to talk about? I read Cat's Cradle this week, uh, Vonnegut, and I don't read a ton of Vonnegut, but every time I do, I am just amazed at his voice and how funny he is and how not funny, how he can say things that sound very funny. Um, and there was a little bit of a infinite jest moment they have something called uh ice nine um is like a graduated version of ice that turns everything into ice um so like if you dropped ice nine into the ocean it would turn the ocean into ice and then it would turn the fish into ice and it would turn the fish's bones into ice and when it rained the rain would be rain until it hit the ocean and then it would be ice um, so that reminded me of like the Nesquik and a lot of the other things and of just having a substance that when, when it's administered, it's lethal. Like you can start it, but you can't stop. It. Um, so always recommend Vonnegut. That kind of the one other thing that I did want to say was, um, like a footnote. I'm like literally the footnote freaking police on this goddamn show. So Thank I, you. Thank uh, you. Uh, Did we miss the train? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, uh, footnote number 150 is like if if you're out there like listening to this and don't know like what, what the hell the annular fusion is, that like basically breaks down what annular fusion is. But um, like the last little bit when it says like uh, – the, the first waste intensive phase of the circle of reactions part. And I think that that's like something that I kind of always feel like Dave is like coming back to is this sort of circle of reactions, like kind of yeah. like when they're talking Which about- Which footnote is that, Kevin? I'm sorry. Number 150. 150? Yeah, 150. It's on page 1029. Certain other and doubtless really disturbing footage of Clipperton's suicide still yeah. exists? 150. Um the years right around the millennium being a terrible U.S. time for waste. All right. Um, my In the digital book, that was footnote 150. But let me look in the book book. That's weird because yeah. you would think they would line up. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, 50, 159 in the, in the book. Huh. All right. Or no, it's... No, no, that's 160 is, uh, is the Clipperton one you just read. Okay, that is weird. Yeah, the years right around the millennium being a terrible U.S. time for waste then, ozone-wise and landfill-wise and shoddily disposed of. But DT cycle annular fusion. Yeah, so yeah, it is the, I mean, I, I guess to your point, Kevin, it's, it's still the cycle of life yeah. even if it is on steroids and fucked up, like, yeah, the whole concept of uh, 
I mean, the circle, what, what is infinity, the concept of infinity yeah. and the circle. It's I agree. Like the, the people from the uh, white flag group taking the road up to New Han Con Conway, New Hampshire to um, go to their commitment while the other people come around. And it's yep. like, you know what I mean? Like just sort of, uh, you know, this sort of circle of like, a you know, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it seems like, you know, for as many people as AA might be curing of alcoholism, the uh, unexamined life is, is getting ready to fill the ranks just yeah. as quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. But um, that ice thing, like, definitely, it's you know what I mean? Like, that is, like, kind of yeah. the same sort of thing of, like, Yes. Yep. And everything that touches it. Yep. Cool. Well, guys, thank you very much. We will start with Clipperton next time. We're going to finish this fucking book. <laughs> Let's do it. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Great job, everybody. Bye, thank you. See ya. Bye.